So there's a lot of little things that you can do, but here's the basic strategy. You got to get started with LinkedIn and start connecting with the right people. Don't just send them a blanket canned message to connect. Go look at their profile. Go find something that you have in common with them. Go figure out something that you like and then send in that connection request with a personal note that says, hey, name, please personalize it. Here's why I want to connect with you. Let's connect and your salutation. That was Tracy Enos, an expert on how to use LinkedIn, the world's largest professional network on the internet. LinkedIn opportunities and strategies are the focus on today's episode, episode number 58 of Looking Forward. Welcome to Looking Forward, where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to discuss the huge, growing, an evolving professional network on the internet, LinkedIn. In part one of this two-part series, we covered such things as LinkedIn's early days, how it's evolved over the years, how COVID-19 has affected LinkedIn's membership and use, and what changes we might expect to see on LinkedIn in the future. In part two of this series, we'll speak about some of the many opportunities LinkedIn offers to its members, whether you are an entrepreneur, career or job seeker, marketing or salesperson, or just looking to make important connections. We'll also discuss some fantastic strategies you can employ to use LinkedIn in the best way possible. To do all this, we've brought on an exceptional guest expert. She's Tracy Enos. With over 20 years of skilled experience, Tracy Enos serves a wide variety of clients, including entrepreneurs, small to mid-sized businesses, startup ventures, and internet media organizations. A seasoned business and internet media coach, Tracy drives core business processes for the clients she serves, including LinkedIn training, social media, book marketing, and public and media relations. In the past several years, Tracy has consulted thousands of business owners, companies, coaches, authors, service professionals, sales teams, and entrepreneurs on how to use LinkedIn to generate leads, become the authority in their industry, and stay front of mind with their clients. Tracy is known globally for her LinkedIn knowledge and training with clients in the U.S., Canada, Australia, Israel, and the U.K. Her consulting expertise has netted her clients speaking engagements, media attention, guest articles in major publications and trade magazines, and millions of dollars in new business. Tracy is also the author of the book, LinkedIn Publishing to Profits, a simple five-step system to attract high-paying clients, media attention, and speaking engagements. Tracy, looking forward also has its positive name because you know the expression, I'm looking forward to something. I'm usually not looking for anything negative, right? I'm looking forward to good things. And for us, good things on looking forward means opportunities. And I don't have to tell you, Tracy, you've experienced it more than once in your life, maybe not during COVID, but a lot of people lost their jobs during COVID. 
And then you have other people who may be looking for a new job, a new career. That happens a lot to all of us. Then you have students. You alluded to them getting on LinkedIn. They're trying to figure out what should I major in and where might I want to work when I get out of college? What field should I study? And then, of course, our entrepreneurs and investors like Tracy, right? Right. Okay. So among this motley crew, you don't have to come up with opportunities for all of them, but I'm interested in two things here. Do you see any job opportunities that relate to LinkedIn itself in some way? Kind of like what you're doing, but it doesn't have to be what you're doing. And then also LinkedIn as a tool for these people to find opportunities. If you could comment on those two things, please. Sure. Well, I mean, LinkedIn, like I mentioned, has offices all over the world and it's owned by Microsoft. So just go to their career page. Look, we got an office. I'm in Kansas City. I didn't know this until I had to talk to support. They got an office in Omaha, Nebraska. Wow. <laughs> that was the coolest. That's like three hours from me. That's really cool. And they got, a, they got a headquarters in Chicago. So there's offices all over the country. So, or all over the world, as, I, as a matter of fact. So yeah. uh, I think the opportunities are there, whether you want to work for the, it's still separate though, because I was on a clubhouse and LinkedIn is still separate from Microsoft, even though Microsoft owns it. Okay. So just to let you guys know, because they made that specific <laughs> uh, that it is they're they're separate, even though Microsoft owns company. So that's fine. Okay. How can people, whether they're students, whether they're job seekers, entrepreneurs, investors, how does it help with opportunity? Gosh, there's tons of opportunity. Just go to the jobs tab. And when you log into LinkedIn at the very top menu there, it says jobs. That's how I found my job with SGN Nutrition. On LinkedIn right there. So, and, and very much so you just, they've got search filters. So you pick your location, whether you want to be, you know, in a city or you want to work remotely. Um, and then you can go based off of industry and title of the position you're looking for. I will say this for those of you seeking a position, a lot of times you can use your LinkedIn profile as your resume and to apply for that position. Just so you know. That's interesting yeah. because... Mm -hmm. I will see things that I'm interested in and it'll say apply directly to LinkedIn, right? And then immediately it wants me to put my resume in. And quite frankly, I'm in a second career. And while my resume does prove that I have the requisite skills to do what I'm doing, it really isn't something that is relevant to that particular position. So I never knew that you could do that. Can you explain that a little bit more, please? Well, that depends on whoever posts that job post, what, okay. what, they, what they have requirements. Sometimes it's both. But we all know that your resume is black and white and really doesn't say who you are, right? So if it allows an opportunity for you to use your LinkedIn profile and your resume, your LinkedIn profile is going to have some of your resume aspects with it. But here's where you can really show your strengths and your personality and how you can definitely benefit that company and when you do that, you will stand out among every other applicant there because most applicants are going to get super lazy with their profile. They're not going to discuss great things that they've done for other companies about their strengths in position. If you know what the job is all about and what the requirements are, showcase to them how it's just like a business owner looking for a prospect. What do you do? How do you do it? Who are you? And what is it that you do for them? 
how you're different from everybody else. And at the end of the day, what kind of results can they expect working with you or results that they can expect hiring you? And when you can showcase that, and especially now with the creator profile, you can actually have videos and you can have a little uh, intro video and your profile photo really show up for that, you know, applicant as an applicant that will stand out and more likely you're going to get the interview over other applicants. Wow. What a great tip. Now, if I am an entrepreneur or I get people contacting me, they want to be connected with people who might either have skill sets they're looking for not to employ them, but to partner with them, or they might be looking for funds. Somebody will help give them the capital they need to grow their business. Can you talk a little bit about LinkedIn's applicability there, how you might use that? Same thing I mentioned with looking for a position, although you're going to talk more about who your prospect or referral partner or best investor is, right? So you're going to talk about a little bit about you, you know, how you got your expertise, your authority on the subject matter, who is it that you're trying to connect with or prospect for, right? What is it that you do? How do you do it? how you're different than everybody else. And at the end of the day, what kind of results can they expect working with you? People don't take the time to do that. Not to mention, they forget about all the other sections in the profile that are the human side of you, your volunteer work, your education, your organizations you support, projects you're particularly proud of, any publications, whether somebody talked about you, you were a guest, or you wrote them. Hobbies. Nobody talks about that stuff in there. And they just take the two or three sections, call it a day and go, why isn't this LinkedIn thing working for me? Yeah, Because <laughs> you're missing an opportunity by not filling out the human side of this. It's great that you fill out who you're trying to look for and who you want to work with and, and prospect, right? And what it is you do for me at the end of the day, trust me, I get more clients because all the other experience that they see and I've had the mortgage experience, the loan experience, uh, the fact that I work for SCORE, which is a nationwide nonprofit. Uh, a lot of people don't even know who that is. Uh, my cool. military experience. Look, I, I wouldn't have got on a really great podcast a few weeks ago had I not been in the military. And the thing that is, is that person had to scroll down to see that information. And then when I got a message about it, it was interesting enough. We were in the same rating. We went to the same military school. <laughs> The wow. Of course, he was about 10 years after me. So we had a great conversation about how things have changed and, and what we did back then to compare. And then he asked me to be on his his podcast as a guest. It was fantastic. I would have missed that opportunity if I did not put that information in my profile. Such a great tip. We're going to have to give more. But just a follow up question on that. I found that when I tried to add in a few extra things, like my volunteering activities, I had passed the number of characters limit. Is that suggesting I put too much other stuff up front? Probably. Yeah, LinkedIn has its set limits for each section for the title and the description. You don't need to go overboard like with the, with the volunteer experience, any section that allows you to add a headline. We always try to add keywords or some sort of benefit statement instead of just listing it, you know? So if it's relevant to what you're currently doing or whatever, that's great. Adds more. If it's past experience, which is fine. If it's not relevant to what you're currently doing, that's fine. 
You know, you can just say you're a volunteer, but most people, they'll just say they're a volunteer for this company and this date, but that's it. Go ahead, add a description. How did you benefit the company? What is it that you do for them? What's the volunteer, what's the organization all about? You know, and how you benefited the company by being that volunteer. Yes. People don't take the time to do that. And that's the human side they think people are forgetting about. This is not your resume. This is a profile. This is a personal profile. Look, people are, they're online now. They were online before the pandemic, but people want to get to know you, trust you, like you before they ever reply to a message, a connection request, or respond to anything, right? They're going to go do their due diligence and they're going to check you out. And yeah. this is your one place to do that. Yes. No I other social media platform allows you to put this much information about yourself, period. This is what I love about LinkedIn. Yes. Fantastic tip. I don't know if you're going to be able to outdo yourself, but <laughs> I would like you to talk about a few other things that you would advise our listeners. Maybe there's myths about LinkedIn, LinkedIn etiquette. How do you know when you should approach somebody to connect or the words you might use? When should you give up? Maybe they already connected with you, but they're not responding to you again. What are some of the little tricks you've learned that you wrote about? I don't want you to share everything, but a few key pointers that will help people better use the platform, please. First of all, and LinkedIn's cracked down on this, people were just blanket sending connection requests about a hundred a day. Trust me, I did it too. Uh, you know, I'm guilty. I, tr I try everything with my own profile so I know what I can get away with, which helps me <laughs> which helps me share it with my clients, you know, limits to everything, right? But uh, now it's 100 a week. So there's a lot of little things that you can do, but here's the basic strategy. You got to get started with LinkedIn and start connecting with the right people. Don't just send them a blanket canned message to connect. Go look at their profile. Go find something that you have in common with them. Go figure out something that you like and then send in that connection request with a personal note that says, hey, name, please personalize it. Here's why I want to connect with you. Let's connect and your salutation. And that's going to improve your chances of getting an acceptance. From that point, once it's accepted, don't just let it go. Go start talking to them. Like, look, Jeff, you and I are just talking back and forth, right? Very conversational, right? So what I will say this about LinkedIn, way back years ago, it was really formal. You mm -hmm. know, you got it, you know, everything was formal, but People are getting so much spam these days. They can now see what a canned message is, a templated message. Trust me, I use templated messages, but I do everything manually. So it depends on, you know, that just helps me save time. But I do, I have, you know, formulated common responses to right. questions, right? But then again, a lot of times those people that you connect with are going to say something to you you're not going to come back with an automated message that has absolutely nothing to do how they responded. And you're going to look silly for one. And two, you're more than likely going to lose opportunity, especially if you did your due diligence and this is a hot prospect, right? So people are not, they're not done. They understand how this works, right? And a lot of people don't even want to get active in your inbox because they've received so much spam. So what I say is, Get conversational, like uh, you're having a chat with somebody across the table at a restaurant, your buddy or someone you just met. Ask questions about them. 
I did a podcast run, want to get on podcasts. And I had a really funny introduction, you know, invitation about not being cheesy. I got more responses out of that before I could even go send him a thanks for connecting message, right? And starting the conversation. So I used humor a little bit and sometimes it works and sometimes it flops. (laughs) So I test a lot of stuff. So what may work right now won't work in a few months, right? So you got to learn how to change it up. That's, That's what you do with sales. And so what I realize is people like to talk about themselves. And they're, they know that you're going to try and get on the phone with them. They know that you're going to try and get a meeting with them. They know that you're going to try and sell them something at some point. But if they don't like your approach, you've lost opportunity. So be more about them than about you and how you provide your services and what you can do for them. Well, how do you know what you can do for them if you hadn't had a conversation with them? How do you know they even want or need what you have to offer? You don't know that unless you have a conversation. And when you do this on what we call a mass approach, you can't have down to earth conversations. So send 10 connection requests a day or 20 because your limit's 100. Yes. Get in their inbox and start having a conversation with them and ultimately get them off of LinkedIn into your own email client, CRM, calendar, however, you know, what your process looks like. That's the way to go. And by this way, too, you can stay organized. And that's what you want. And, and LinkedIn's inbox is great because sometimes you forgot what you had written to somebody and you can go back and look at the past messages. So as, as long as you hadn't deleted it, then you go back and look at the conversation, how it flowed. Oh yeah, I forgot. That's why we're going to have a meeting today. I do that often. Yes. Like, yes. wait, wait, why am I getting my schedule this two weeks? What? Wait, wait, let me go back and refresh my brain. Sure. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So we're all getting busy. We forget sometimes why right. we're on getting on the phone with somebody. So I just say, start, a, start with a conversation. People know that you got in front of them for a reason, not just you wanted to say hi and let's be friends. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask you a couple of follow-ups to that. If you're a LinkedIn premium user, you have this one option. I get 15 of these a month, 15 in mails a month, right? Mm-hmm. And then you, you could just connect with people, which is nothing. There's a limit that you mentioned. I find it's probably easier just to use the connect. Is there a strong argument for those of us who have premium, why they should be using the in mail versus just doing the short, sweet connect? It gives you additional prospecting for the month. Let's say you have the pro version of Sales Navigator. It allows you to have 30 ah. or 60 in mails a month. And LinkedIn, they, they do it on a point basis. So if the in mail is accepted or whatever, you get credits back and whatnot. So um, you have up to 60, right? So that you don't have to connect with them. And LinkedIn guarantees 100% deliverability, but that doesn't guarantee a response. Right. You're going to have a great subject line. It's almost like email marketing. You have to have a great subject line and keep your message super short. A lot of times I like to say, hey, you know, well, my new program is invitation to collaborate, right? Because I got a great referral program and a good digital program coming out, invitation to collaborate. Well, I know that right now their clientele are also my clientele. So, and, and I'm not stepping on their toes. It would be an add-on service. It would be a great service that is complementary to who they're working with and what they're doing with them and vice versa, right? So I'll do that. And then a lot of times too, I'll go in there. Oh, and PS, I also sent you an inv- invitation to connect. Okay. So you can do double that up there. So they, now they know, oh, they got, that's who that, who that person is, right? 
Yes. Um, or in the invitation, you could turn and say, oh, P.S., I also sent you an in-mail message. In-mail, so that's very out. good. You know, so it because a lot of times, especially depending on the industry and the title that you're trying to connect with, they're not as active on LinkedIn as other titles and in industries. So a lot of times you kind of got to get strategic a little bit, right? So if you're trying to get to the top dog CEO of some major Fortune 500 corporation, he's on LinkedIn or she's on LinkedIn, they're not active. Their staff is, but they're not, right? Yes. So yes. you got to stand out somehow. Yes, that's excellent. And that idea of using one of those two things and then mentioning the other one at the same time, I like that. What about time limit? Some people will connect with you. Is it kind of a dead connection if you don't get back to them with another message within a certain period of time, or do you have a little liberty with that? It depends on, on what you're offering and how you can help them. What I would say is follow up with them in a few days. Hey, did you happen to see my message? That's why I said, if you're doing this on a mass scale, that's hard to organize. Now there is software, which does violate LinkedIn's terms of service that will do that for you. Mm. But really, is that honestly building a, you know, a relationship? It's not. So I've got a client who we just redid or made over his profile in January. He's my oldest client. He's 74 years old. I love him, but he is a go-getter and yeah. I know who his client is and he's reaching out to them overseas. And he's like, Tracy, it's difficult because these guys, and I'm like, I know, but stay in front of them. He's landed already three major clients. It's going to be six figures, each one of them wow. by being persistent and consistent, just using LinkedIn, but he's not doing this on a max scale. See, he knows exactly who his hot 100 are, and he's going after those hot 100. That is so good. When do you give up? with somebody if you're a LinkedIn user never okay so somebody connects with you the CEO and you send them another message and say I'd love to have a call with you I think that we could work together on this great idea blah 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 and they don't say anything you don't give up you keep going back asking well keep them in your network unless they tell you to stop sending them messages then I go politely disconnect from them at that point, because I don't want to be by accident, send them another message and then they block me or they complain to LinkedIn, right? That's just etiquette, period. But what I would do from that point is because periodically I'll have something and I'll go send it to a subset of people within my network. And now you're just staying front of mind. So maybe he wasn't ready for that conversation or she wasn't ready for that conversation. And maybe they got busy or, and I've done this, trust me, I've lost messages in LinkedIn. Like, I don't know if it's a LinkedIn side of thing or what stuff has disappeared. Yeah. So this gives you an opportunity to get back in front of them. And maybe it's not a direct thing getting on the phone. Maybe it's you've got a great piece of content that you want to share that was in the newsfeed that leads to something else. You're just showing your authority and your expertise, but you're not really asking for anything. And I call that the backdoor approach, right? Like you stay that. front of mind. I've had people that I've marketed to for three years before they came to me. <laughs> wow. So I don't give up unless somebody tells me to give up, let it go, or they disconnect from me or ask me to stop sending them messages. I'll politely, but two, look, go get in front of them off of LinkedIn, go find their business email address. Once you're connected to them and they have it in their contact information on their profile, go grab that. Then go do some research online and go find their business email address and send them an email. Hey, we're connected on LinkedIn. I'm not sure if you've seen our messages, you know, maybe they got lost. 
play dumb. <laughs> that, that's great. <laughs> you know, it works. It truly works. That is great. And people aren't doing this. They're not taking the extra steps. And the ones that are, you can do less, like I said, as little as 30, 45 minutes a day. And the ones that are taking the extra steps are making six figures or more a year. That's why I'm seeing people now who've been furloughed or completely laid off are reinventing themselves. Yes. You know, and yes. so they're using LinkedIn. I mean, it can be a slow process and you could probably get some quick wins, but over the course of time, if you're consistent with it, the income is going to come in. I love what you're saying about the consistency and the persistency. And again, that's a part of your career that you've demonstrated is being persistent, <laughs> not giving yeah. up. Last two strategy questions, and then we'll move on to letting people know how they can get a hold of you. The first one is LinkedIn has a lot of groups that you can join. I think I'm in 25 groups. And I was for a time sending my message, whatever it was, to each individual group. And then I learned that nah, that's a waste of time. You just put it out there. And so what's the value of the groups? Groups lost its functionality and sorry, LinkedIn, not sorry, LinkedIn, but yeah. Facebook groups trumps your groups. <laughs> just okay. saying, yeah. just saying, but here's the value in the groups. You can join up to a hundred. That's hard to do. And I yeah. don't recommend doing it, but pick some groups where your ideal prospect is hanging out. Not just your industry groups, you know, where, what groups your prospects would join, right? Get in and get, um, sometimes it takes a while to get approved to be in a group. But then from here, here's an advanced strategy I'm going to share with your listeners. Oh, wonderful. Grab LinkedIn. Now, in one of the filters, it's about the groups. You can get in there and the groups that you belong to, you can message anybody in the group now. About a year ago, LinkedIn opened that back up. It used to be limited. It used to be open. Then it was limited to so many messages a month to second and third. And it didn't matter if they were first, second, or third degree connections. It was limited. And now they opened it back up last year. And now you can go and message anybody in that group for free. And you could probably send around 100 messages a day. You're talking a message, not a connection request? Nope, a message. If they're in your group? You have to belong to the group. Okay, so that's a big advantage then. Huge advantage. Nobody's taking advantage of that. It's wow. huge. And you heard right? it, people. <laughs> now you know why you listen to Looking Forward. Okay, last important strategy question. Somebody puts up a post. They want a trillion people to see it. They may have 10,000 members who are connected to them. How do they maximize the visibility of that post? Consistency. Consistency. LinkedIn wants to see consistent content from you. Trust me, I, I was consistent, then I went down, then I was consistent, I went down. And now you, it's like you got to start all over again. And I got a big network, but I'm not getting the virality that I was. And it's not just that, it's also the content. So LinkedIn has an algorithm that changes. There's a few guys overseas that are the, the techie guys that I learned from about the algorithm, but it's still not a perfect science, is start catering unique content and descriptions and videos. LinkedIn loves their videos, trust me. And they love their polls. That's the big thing right now. Start doing polls because you as the author of the poll know who voted and how they voted. And if it's a poll that's related to your business or your service or product that you have, now you can reach out to people about that, which is a sneaky little way of prospecting. 
but that's the fastest way is the polls. Secondly, is use video, use graphics, great descriptions, use a little bit of copywriting with it, do one or two lines at a time, use emojis, tell stories. That takes practice. Trust me, it takes a lot of practice. You don't need posts to go viral in order for you to make great income. Look, I had a client at one time, he went to a, a lawyer, he went to a seminar or a conference uh, a lawyer conference, and he just did the worst selfie ever. <laughs> yes, okay. He sent me the selfie, but he had the short description of why more lawyers need to go to these conferences because through his networking, he gained a client out of it wow. because he is a Hispanic personal injury lawyer. That's the bulk of his clientele is Hispanics. And he sure. doesn't speak fluent Spanish. Okay. And he's in his 60s, and he has this wildly successful practice. Anyway, he only got like 19 likes on it. Which is good because that was the most likes we ever got on any of his posts because it was very personal, yeah. right? With this icky cell. I mean, it was grainy. It was horrible. Why use it anyway? And then um, I just finessed up his copy a little bit. He ended up getting a client out of that that was worth five figures. So you don't need hundreds or thousands of people to like and comment on your stuff. As long as you're talking to the right market and it's a targeted market, don't worry about it going viral. That to me is for your, your own vanity and your vanity only. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And, you know, people who like or comment on your content, go back and engage with them. Some of them might be first degree connections. Some of them might be second or third degree connections. Go in and connect with those folks, engage with them. You can't do that with hundreds or thousands of people liking and commenting on your stuff. You just can't unless you have a, a virtual assistant tapping away all day. (laughs) That's what they would have to be doing. Right. Tracy, this has been terrific. So many great practical tips all the way through. Wondering how can our listeners find out more about you, your consulting, your writing, you got a book that you've published. There's another one that will be coming out hopefully sometime in the not too distant future. Anything else you'd like to share with them? How do they get in touch with you? Sure. Well, please connect and follow me on LinkedIn at Tracy Enos. I'll accept, especially say that you heard me on Just Looking Forward podcast. That'd be great. And then also you guys can go to www.linkedin.publishing and get a copy of the latest book, not the latest, the first book, it's a PDF. Yep. A copy of that book. And a lot of it's outdated because LinkedIn has made so many updates, but the first chapter is all about your profile. Much of that is still pertinent to today. And then you can also get a 23-point profile checklist, which we've updated it to add a few more of the features in the creator, but we haven't updated it with that yet. Once you guys get on the list, we'll update it for you. That sounds great. For the benefit of everybody listening, Tracy's last name is spelled E-N-O-S. Correct. Okay. Tracy, this has been wonderful. Thanks again. I can't wait to hear the reactions from people. And I think most of our listeners are going to end up tripling their salaries. <laughs> right. And if they don't get a salary, they'll triple their freelance. That's right. right. All right. Take care. Thanks, Jeff. This concludes part two of our two-part series on LinkedIn trends, opportunities, and the future, featuring our guest expert, Tracy Enos. If you enjoy this episode, please give us a like or positive comment wherever you've heard it. And if you missed part one of this series, you can find it on our podcast hosting site, Red Circle, 
at our website, www.jeff-ostroff.com, or on the podcast hosting site you use. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes, please contact me at my website, jeff-ostroff.com. That's J-E-F-F-Ostroff, O-S-T-R-O-F-F dot com. This is Jeff Ostroff inviting you to join us again next time on Looking Forward.